0: Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the latest in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Exalt you. Once again, we worship and give you all the praise, glory, and adoration that is due you. We come once again to receive instruction from you. We thank you for what you're doing already. And enlightening our hearts to be able to comprehend and to know your intent and purposes for creation. Thank you, precious Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So we continue with uh, what is man. And uh, our main text, like we know, is from... The book of Psalm, Psalm chapter number 8, reading from verse 3. Again, the Bible says, When I look at the the night sky, or, for translation using King James, right? When I consider the heavens, the work of thy hands, and then the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained. What is man that thou mindful of him and the son of man that thou visited him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and are crying him with glory and honor. Thou made us him to have dominion over the works of their hands that I put all things under his feet. And the next thing is saying, okay, we can stop there. He put all things under his feet. We'll stop in verse number six. Praise God. This is man's creation. So we need to look at this critically today. He made him a little lower than the angels. And this is very, very important that we consider it. Praise the Lord. Ah, I'm going to start from verse number 9. Crown him with glory a little lower than the angels. Let me see what I have here. We fully come back to this, but uh, let me read a text first, then we'll come back to that, a little lower. Let's look at Hebrews 2, verse number 9. First of all, you need to understand that when we talk about Jesus being made a little lower, that is because he descended from the realm of glory and partook of the nature of man. And so, Anyway, let's read the text. Hebrews 2, verse number 9. But we see Jesus was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Amen? Praise the Lord. Did you get it? Yes. We see Jesus made a little lower than the angels. And this is what David was referring to in Psalm number eight. How was he made a little lower? Than the angels for all the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor. That by the grace of God she taste there for every man. Now remember in Genesis 2, verse 7. We are made to understand the Lord God formed out the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. So essentially the lowering here was when man was brought from the realm of full glory to the lower dimension of life. Amen? Genesis 1, like I keep saying, 26-27 26-27 speaks of the real man, the original man, the intent of God for mankind. That state of Genesis one 27 man cannot go through any form of suffering or even temptation. And so in Genesis 2-7 that original man in quote was lowered to another level of life became flesh, if you will. And so you find that Jesus in original state was completely of the spirit dimension. God. Now in that condition he can't taste that. Praise the Lord. In that condition he can't taste that. So what happened? He has to be brought down to another level. Of that of a man. So he was not lowered. To the level of man. The atrium if you will. Praise the Lord. Are we there? Hallelujah. Okay. So again we find that Even. Because man in Genesis 2 7 was lower to the atrium, this is to enable him to identify with creation. The man in Genesis chapter 1 cannot identify with what he was supposed to have dominion over, he was made to have dominion over everything that God has created. So for that to happen, it has to be brought down to a lower level. Praise the Lord. Are we following? Good. Man has to be brought down to a lower level. And so, the lower level has to do with identifying now with the realm that was able to have dominion over. You see, Christ couldn't have been able to rule of a man in quote judge man if you will if he will not partake of your nature that is the point and it's important you understand that he can't partake of your nature except he to be brought down to your own level praise the Lord okay so again, now we begin to see. Go back now to Hebrews chapter two that we are dealing with. Trying to get something here very quickly for you as well. Hebrews chapter two that we are dealing with, so that you can also pick it up from there. So, go to verse. Um, one minute. Okay, this is now. I think we should take it from verse number six. Let's take it from verse number six. Praise the Lord. Go back to verse number six. But once in a certain place testifies, saying, what is man? Get it that. That means he's referring back to Psalm eight. What is man that are mindful of him or the son of man that have said him? That I made him a little lower than the angels. Like describing man that crowned him with glory and honor, and that he set him over the works of their hands. But that put all things under his feet, put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that, he put all things subjection under his feet, he left nothing that is put under his feet. By implication, man is supposed to have complete control over everything. But now we see not yet all things put under his feet. But we see Jesus, verse number nine. So you see that. It describing first man and then it's using Jesus now as an example of what man was supposed to be but we see Jesus verse nine, was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death so it's like saying if you want to understand what happened you can see that from the life of Jesus who was all spirit brought down into the realm of being a human being amen for the suffering of death crown with glory and honour that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. I'm going to explain that. Verse ten: For it became him, of whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing this is the point, many sons into glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through what? Through suffering. Is to bring many sons into glory. Now for that to be done he has to come to the realm of where his sons are to be able to raise them up. In partaking of their own nature. Identifying with them. You see that's why I discovered that most times before we heal or do certain miracles the Bible says he had compassion on the people. He had compassion on the people. He will identify with them. He will relate to the condition that they are in. Praise the living God. Verse 11. For both he that sanctified and they who are sanctified are of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. He is not ashamed to call us brethren. Now if he was in chapter 1, in quote, of Genesis being completely spiritual, there is no way he can call us Brethren. Is that okay? Okay. Verse 12. Saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church. I will sing praises unto thee. Praise the Lord. I will confess thy name among my brethren. Now, you understand that. That's the relationship. He has to come down. Don't forget what we're dealing with. Man, in his glory, in his dominion, is meant to have all things. But no, creation already fallen. Therefore, we shifted from the place of having that to dominion. Now the intention of Jesus is to bring us back to the place of that authority and dominion. And for that to be done, he has to identify with us. And one of the things that we, we are suffering from is the issue of debt. is the issue of uh, a lower nature than that of the angels. So himself had to come down to our own level. To identify with us, and in that condition, he could call us brethren. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, yeah, he said, We taste death, verse 9. I might state death for every man. This is very important. Consequence upon the fall of Adam, the whole human race became sinful in their nature and. In everything that is supposed to be associated or follow on with our fallen nature. Praise the Lord. And the consequences of those fallen nature, the sinful nature, was death. So man was exposed to endless sinful life of activities and consequences that finally leads to death. So Jesus have to identify with this nature of man, so that he can taste that. Now the point is this: He has to come to redeem you from that condition or and the consequences of the condition that you find yourself. And I'm saying for that to happen, he has to identify with your own type of nature, which is now flesh and blood. And that is the lowering. That's why Philippians we say, he taught it not robbery to be equal with God. Amen? All right. So, he did this to redeem us. To take us back to himself. Now, for that to happen, he has to take on the nature of man and suffer the penalty of sins. Now, that's something that's very important here. Let's read a scripture um, but I get the scripture for us now. In the book of Matthew 26, verse 39. Matthew 26, 39. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thy will. Now, what I want to explain there to you is the word cup. In the Greek world, if a criminal is to be killed, for instance, let me use the life of Socrates. Socrates was judged by the Athenian courts, Athens. It's not as if he was found guilty, in quote, but they brought a cup of poison for him. That he should drink and die. His friends actually told him, Don't take this because you are not guilty. But with speed and with rejoicing, he took the cup of poison, drank it with all happiness in his heart. The cup of poison that man had was a consequence of the sins. When Jesus was making this prayer, It was like saying, the cup of poison that all humanity was supposed to be drinking, let me drink it, if it is your will for me to drink this cup. So what really happened was, he took the cup of poison that you were supposed to take, and took it himself. Praise the Lord. Are you following it now? So he took that cup of poison just like Socrates drank the cup of poison because I jumped to be guilty though he was not. He was innocent but he took the cup. So you find the same principle playing out here. Jesus is innocent but he drowned the cup on behalf of humanity. Are you following me? This cup is a cup of poison which leads to death. Okay. Look with me, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19 to 21. 1 Corinthians 19, I mean chapter 5. The way that God was in Christ, listen to this, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and are committed unto the world of what? reconciliation. Verse 20 said, Now then we are ambassadors of Christ, And though God beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. But verse 21 is a key thing. For he had made him to be seen for us who knew no sin, that he might be made righteousness of God in Christ. Praise the living God. I want you to catch this. He had been made seen for us That is not to say he was a sinner. But he drank the poison. Hallelujah. Of the consequences of the sinner. Jesus was not a sinner. And so when people make the statement that he died the death of a sinner. It's very wrong. He took on the consequences of the sinner. What the sinner was supposed to take Is what he took The cup of poison that was supposed to kill us Is what he took Not that he committed a crime Understand what I'm saying He was innocent But he paid the penalty For the guilty people So he was made To be seen for us Who knew no sin If Jesus were to be a sinner The way they teach it Then he was not qualified to redeem us. Because a sinner cannot redeem a sinner. Do you understand that? You know, but people will teach you, well, he died as a sinner, just Jesus died as a sinner. Jesus never died as a sinner. Because if he died as a sinner, then his blood was not qualified to redeem you anymore. Corruption cannot redeem corruption. Do you understand that? So here we find that it made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. And I want you to know that he had no part in sin; sin had no part in him. But he took the cup on your behalf. The cup you were supposed to take is what he took, that you might be free. So everything that the consequences of your fallen nature was supposed to produce, that is what he took from you. He bore it, the consequences of your actions. Typical example again we can give is the case. Remember him and Barabbas is that okay dude Barabbas was there behind and then here was Jesus and the other people who do you want me to release for you and they said we need Barabbas is that okay now Barabbas was guilty Barabbas was a murderer Barabbas was supposed to be killed in quote but he said oh no. we need Jesus so you see in that scenario Barabbas was more or less representing you and I, who were supposed to be condemned to death. But now the people say we want Jesus. Amen. So when Jesus was taken to be crucified, and Barabbas was set free, it is simply on the ground that Barabbas' sin consequences were now laid on who? On Jesus. And Barabbas was set free. Jesus took the penalty, in quote, of what Barabbas was supposed to carry. And that's exactly what we're saying here. He knew no sin, but for the consequences of sin. So we've got to understand that. Now, in bearing his consequences, now is what he meant by he was made lower. Because if, somebody was speaking a few days ago, I made the person understand. Jesus laid aside his deity. If he were to retain his deity, he would not die. He would become lily spirit. But he laid it aside. It's like you take a garment, and put it aside and do whatever you want to do. When you're finished, you take up your garment. So the truth is when he walked out of the cemetery, out of the grave, he took back his own deity. If he had that deity with him on the cross, there was no way he could have died. Praise the Lord. So, the incarnation of Jesus, the crucifixion, his dying, his rising, ascending to heaven, and becoming a mediator right writer of God is full of the proofs of God's infinite love for humanity. He is coming here, being lowered, taking on your own nature, you know, as a son of Abraham, if you will. And then his crucifixion, his death, his resurrection, everything that pertains to his activity, right from the cross to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, is the love that God has for humanity. Just to make sure he gets you back. Praise the Lord. Are we here? Okay. Let's look at Act 20, verse 28 again. I'm just considering... Jesus was made lower than the angels. Is that okay? That's what I'm looking at. That just that point. At twenty twenty-eight, you know the scripture very well. Take ye therefore unto yourselves and unto all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseer to feed the church of God, which he had purchased with what? His own blood. Remember what we said before. For we, choose of, we see Jesus. Who for a little while was made lower than what? Than the ages. Praise the Lord. That by the grace of God, he might taste death for every man. So here we see him, God. Remember, here he's talking about with his own blood. And I've explained this several times. This is not the blood of Adam, this is the blood of God. This blood is not corrupted. Therefore, it has more value than your blood. Therefore, it can redeem you. Is that okay? And the blood is God's own blood. Get that point right? That's why we said Jesus was not a sinner because his blood was not contaminated by sin. Blood that was flowing in the vein of Jesus was God's own blood, not contaminated by sin. So, there is no way. He died as a sinner. Some people even tell you, Jesus died for his own sin, so you should carry your cross. That's what he told you. Have you heard that? Yeah, well, people say that. Yeah, they tell you when Jesus told you to carry your cross, was because he was going to die for his own sin, so you are dying for your own sin. That's why he said, What do you mean, your cross? <laughs> Praise God. You know, man can say anything. Praise the Lord. So that's the point. So here we find that the blood that was in Christ was the blood of God. Now that is God coming down. That's why you can't separate Jesus from God. Jesus is God in the flesh. Is that okay? God in the flesh. So what we're saying now is he came down from being God to become a human being, but he retained the blood. Remember, before Joseph knew Mary, she was already pregnant by the Holy Ghost, which is the Spirit of God. Is that okay? So, the blood that was in Jesus was not the blood that came from Joseph. So, here is the point. You know, for a child to be born, the father has to contribute. Is that okay? The cells, all right. So, here we are saying that Joseph nearly played any part So the pregnancy was completely that of God. Therefore, the father is the one that is supposed to contribute the blood into the child. Is that okay? So here we find that the blood that was in him was the blood of God because that was by the Holy Spirit, but the flesh that he took was the flesh of Mary to identify with Abraham or the sons of Abraham or the children of Abraham. So it was both God and man. Are you following me? Now to identify in that circumstance has to do, like I said before, the lowering of man. Because I'm aid that we when you said, who is mad and mindful, for you? you made him a little lower than the angels. And so we consider Jesus was made a little lower than what? Than the angels. Meaning Jesus is giving us an example or a perfect picture of what it is. So, if he laid aside, help me, Jesus. If he laid aside his divinity, became a man and when he was done with the realm of being a man he took back his divinity it simply means when we came in here we left our divinity aside and what is god doing getting us back to pick up back our divinity because we are supposed to be made in image and likeness of of god praise the lord so The blood in his life was the blood of God, the life of God. And then his flesh he took from Mary so that he can share your nature with you. And in that situation, he can taste death for every man. And don't forget that. Very important what we read in Matthew 26. For him to taste death for every man means he took the poison that you were supposed to be taking and dying Regularly, he took it and tasted it. He tasted that poison which has to do with death. The consequences of your action is death. So he took that poison, therefore, he died. Is that okay? But guess what? You were qualified to die by taking the poison, but he took it in your place that you might be set free that through the dead, he might destroy debt Oh glory. How many of you understand what I mean? Praise the Lord. So this passage is very important for you to understand. The relationship between God and man and what Jesus got to do. I explained to you some time here ago. You see, anytime you want to redeem or buy something, you must pay the equivalent of the value of that thing that you want to buy or redeem. Is that okay? So when we talk about redemption, we're talking about paying the equivalent value of what made that into being bondage or to be whatever situation, you know, slavery. This is what used to happen in the early times. I don't even know if it's still there now. But if for instance you owe me some money, right, and you are unable to pay, I come to your house and take whatever properties. That I feel I can sell to get back my money. And when I take this property, I take it to what is called a pawn shop, where it's called auctions, auctioneers. I place it there. So people can come and price and buy it so that they can re- recover their money that I'm owing. Now there's a law in the Bible which is called the law of Kingsman Redeemer. Help me, Jesus. The law of Kingsman Redeemer says, if your brother, for instance, is owing some debt and you don't have any means of paying, your own relation is qualified to come and pay the debt you are owing so that you can be free. That's what we call kinsman redeemer. Now, Jesus cannot redeem us unless he becomes our kinsman. Do you understand that? And for him to become a kinsman, he has to take up our nature. Which is what he said, in the midst of the church, I'll call, I mean, I'll declare your name before my brethren in the midst of the church. Now, because he's our brother, he's qualified to do what? To redeem us. If he wasn't our brother, he can't redeem us. Because that law will not be fulfilled. Which is called the law of the kinsman redeemer. Did you get it? So he has to be our brother so that our law can be fulfilled. The law of the king's is my redeemer. Only your brother is qualified to pay your debt. That's what the law says. And so he came out and said, well, I have to identify with them. So he identified with us. So what's the next thing? He was not qualified. He can tell God, I'm not qualified to redeem them because they are not my brother. And so the law allows him to do what? To redeem us. So redeeming us, okay? What's the price you are owing? Debt. We are qualified for debt as slaves to sin through Adam. Okay, I'm going to pay the price. Hallelujah. Do you understand what I mean? So now he paid the price so that we can be free. So what's the next thing that's going to happen? Oh, hallelujah! He said in Adam we left our divinity, we left our own glory, we set it aside, we got corrupted. Now Jesus came as our own redeemer, you can equally say, Adam sold us to the devil. Is that okay? He sold us up to the devil. So now we were slaves to the devil. Now he has to buy us back. And as I my redeemer is not qualified to buy us back. And so, when we got into Adam, we lost our glory. We set our glory aside, just like I said before. He came down from heaven, set his divinity aside. By the time it was done with what he wanted to do, redeeming man, was the next thing he did. He picked up his divinity, it, like he said before. He spoke that to the Father. Father, let them know that I came out of Thee and I'm come back to Thee. The glory that I had with You before, that I may have it now. Hallelujah. So he's going back to the realm of glory that he had before he became a man. That's a level of lowering. From the level of glory as God, he became a man. Lowered for a little while, not for a long time. Maybe next week I'll deal with our little while a little bit. Praise the Lord. Are we together? Yeah. So, for a little while, now, for a period of time, help me Jesus. For the period of time they live on the earth was the whole of the little while. You can call it three and a half years. You can call it 33 and a half years. That's a little while. Is that okay? We see Jesus, hallelujah, who was lowered at the angels for what? For a little while. For how long? 33 and a half years. And he took back or he took back the glory that he had before he was lowered unto this realm. So, like I said, we being his brother, he's not qualified to do what? To redeem us. And he did that. So it's like went to God and said, Father, yes, this is the point. They are now my brothers. This how much they are owing, I can pay because I'm qualified as their brother. So he paid whatever it was. And he paid with his life, which is that. So if he died to set you free then you are free indeed now begin to understand that if the son of man will set you free then you are what you are free indeed so before he came you were in slavery you were in bondage you know what (laughs) you were in captivity and that's part of what we need to be dealing with which i think the church is missing that is something that is called the year of jubilee in the principle of the year of jubilee i think 25 50 years what happened is If for instance You have a child And then you owe in some debt That you couldn't pay It's like remember the prophet Whose children, widow of Zarephath Was supposed to be in some slavery You come and walk off The debt your father was owing So you could be in the farm You could be in the field Working every day Is that okay? Right so, now, this is the way it is. On the year of Jubilee, help me, all debts are cancelled. Even if somebody took your land, it ought to be returned to you once this year of Jubilee. It's a year to equalize everybody in the society. So, if your child was in slavery for not a long time, once Jubilee comes up and the trumpet of Jubilee sounds, You are free. You can regain back your property. So, let me give you an example. Now, this is the way it works. You were supposed to serve 50 years. But if Jubilee years are already counted up to 45 years, then you are going to serve just five years. Not 45 years anymore. Not 50 years anymore, rather. Is that okay? Right. So, take for instance, if your father got into slavery, and now you were there working for somebody else maybe you were a young man you have no idea of what Jubilee is now you've been serving this person for 10 years all of you sounding the trumpet sounds Was the trumpet sounds are you in the man's farm you are free to walk away and the man cannot hold you back so the year of jubilee set you free. Are you getting what I'm saying now? Now, if because you were a young person you have no understanding, perhaps somebody is passing by with an elderly man and he sees you walking. So, what are you doing here? Oh yeah, my father was in some debt, so uh, I'm trying to work it off. How long have you been here? I've been here for 20 years now, working, and uh, I'm supposed to work for 50 years. Did you hear the trumpet sound? What's the trumpet sound for? So that's the trumpet of Jubilee. So what's that about to mean? That you are free. Do you understand what I'm saying? And this is what is going on. Jubilee trumpet sounded. We are free. Jesus said, the Son of Man will set you free. You are free indeed. But we don't know. And the church doesn't know. So we are still slave to the system that we find ourselves. Hallelujah. When well, the trumpet of Jubilee is he's declaring freedom. So when Jesus is using that word, what he's trying to say, man, you are free. I've paid the price. I've redeemed you. You are no longer slaves. You are no longer, you know, slave to any system, to anybody. I am your brother and the trumpet of Jubilee has sounded. You are now free to do what? To go away. So even if a Satan or anything try to hold you back, let them know you've heard the sound of Jubilee. Praise the living God. You heard the trumpet. You can declare that. It's part of what you can be declaring daily to yourself. I got the voice of the trumpet. I am free. If the Son of Man will set me free, then I am free indeed. You've got to understand it. He did not only pay the price. The trumpet of Jubilee has sounded when jubilee speaks of 50 and what happened on the day of pentecost 50. pentecost means 50. the holy ghost came down you are free that is why you are son of god hallelujah you are not slave to any system anymore you are not slave to the devil anymore you are a child of god bought with the precious blood hallelujah and you've been made free from all of those powers all of those enemies therefore no power can hold you back no enemy can hold you back no system can hold you back you don't have anything look at what Jesus said the prince of the world cometh you shall find nothing in me hallelujah so you are not owing any spirits any debts can I hear any to that therefore you are not owing any generational causes any debts no power anymore if you understand what I'm saying I told you on Sunday, the only way for you to return to God is in your mind when the scripture says in Job 22 return unto me if you can return to the almighty then you shall lay up gold in place of dust and silver what is gold? the divine nature of God, what is silver? redemption, plenty of redemption and gold and divine nature becomes your own nature I remember something in the book of Sam. We're made to understand. I mean Genesis. We're made to understand Genesis 3. God asks that one of the causes that have to come upon the snake is that you eat dust. I don't know if you remember that. Dust will be the food that is to eat. But I used to ask this question. I've asked this question several times in this place. Do you see snake eating dust? No. Snake doesn't eat dust. They eat humans. I mean... Protein is what they really eat. That's why they come down, steal your eggs and steal your chicken. Is that okay? Try to kill some animals that they not kill. They eat protein. They don't eat dead. They don't eat sand. If they eat dead and sand, why are they coming to your house? They eat frogs. Is that okay? They might eat maybe worms, whatever the case may be. So, what is the dust that it was supposed to eat? Man was the dust that it was supposed to be eaten hallelujah that's why he said when man was made of the dust of the ground what's it cause that man you're going to be suffering out of the ground will you eat you snake you eat dust and so the book of psalm devil said you remember it that we are dust so you know it our frame and you remember that we are what dust so man was the dust that the enemy was feeding on but now you put on the divine nature of god the divine nature of god is not the same thing as dust Therefore, the enemy cannot feast on you. Why? Because your nature is no longer dust but gold. Hallelujah. Praise God. Are you following me? All right. So let's see. Got five minutes more to go on this. But I need to touch this. So, oh, 1 Timothy 3 verse 16. 1 Timothy 3 16. Hallelujah. And without controversy... No argument about that. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. Justified in the spirit. Seen of angels. Preached unto the Gentiles. Believed on in the world. Received up what? Into glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me go there a little bit. Take it from a message translation. I love this. You know, people will say, God, Jesus is not God. Have you had that argument? Jesus is not God. Funny. The Christian life is a great mystery. Far exceeding our understanding. But some things are going to be clear enough, if you will. Praise the living God. The next thing says, He appeared in a human body. Move it down on on your something. Praise the Lord. I don't know how that is going, but this is what it says. He appeared in a human body, was proved right by the invisible spirit, was seen by the angels, he was proclaimed among all kinds of peoples, believed all over the world, taken up into heavenly glory. Okay, go to Amplify Translation. This is a lowering, is what I'm trying to describe now. You understand that? Okay, Amplify Praise the Lord. And great and important and weighty we confess is hidden truth, the mystical secret of godliness. He God, he God was made visible in human flesh. Praise God. Did you get that? Justified and vindicated in the Holy Spirit. Was seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed all in the world, and taken up what in glory. Hallelujah. Amen. So here we find number one, Jesus was incarnated. Number two, he suffered death as an expiatory victim. Number three. The person whose behalf is suffered, so we are the whole human race, and everyone who is human creature. Number four, this Jesus now is in a state of highest glory and worth and honor. These are the four things you find in that passage. When he said justified by the Spirit, this is very simple. So that the spirit has something they have to do to prove, but the only thing that proved that he was who he was was the miracles he was performing, the signs and wonders and miracles, and then the apostles that believed in him. The Bible tells me that the work they were doing were confirmed with what signs and wonders and miracles. That's what it mean by being justified. That is to say, the miracles he was performing prove who he was. Remember. There were the confession. This must be the son of David. Or that we say, This will the God. In fact, remember what Nicodemus says no man can do these things except God be with him. Did you get that? So he was justified by what? By the spirit. And then his death and their resurrection, like we know in uh Romans chapter 1, 3 and 4. We verse 4. He was resurrected and become the son of God through the spirit of holiness. Amen? So he was justified by the spirit. So the miracles were proof of who he really was or he claimed to be. That is to say he was not a hypocrite. Why? Because of the miracles that he performed. Then number two thing we said it was sin of angels. We know that angels, look at First Peter. First Peter 1, verse 9, 9, 2 Peter. When 2 verse 9. We talked about receiving the end of your salvation, even the salvation of your souls. Of which salvation the prophet had inquired and said diligently, who prophesied of the grace that you come? Verse 11 says, searching what or what manner of spirit the time Christ was in them, they signify when they testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that you come. Verse 12 says, unto whom it was revealed that not to themselves but unto us They didn't minister the things which are now reported by you and preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. Which things the angels desire to look into? Praise the Lord. The desire to look into angels were trying to see what it is. One of the things that angels have no understanding about is that you as a human being can become a son of God. Do you understand that? So your salvation, that redemption work was a mystery. So Jesus came down and moved back into glory. Angels are amazed about that transformation. It's something they really, really cannot fathom. Praise the living God. And then the next thing you see, there is they say was preached unto unto the Gentiles. And this was very simple. Not only the Jews received the gospel, the Gentiles also received the gospel, calling house when the first Gentile came into the Lord. Amen? Praise the Lord. You got the point right. So, and the next thing, in you know other words, Gentiles were admitted to the kingdom of God. Remember, there was a the middle wall of partition in the days of Moses in the temple. So when they go there to worship, the Gentiles stay this way, the Jews stay this way. And part of it was covered for animals that they bring you for sacrifice. That's where you also have the money changers because when people are coming to the feast, different tribe, I mean, different nations come with their currency, so the money changers are there to be able to change money for you to buy the gold for your sacrifice. Is that okay? That's where you have the money changers in the temple. When Jesus said, my house will be called the house of prayer. But you have these people who are just there for business, forest trading. Amen. Is <laughs> that going to what you got? The word for forest trading. They were there to make sure you know. Yeah, maybe you come from Nigeria. You come with your naira, and they have to change for you. You know, forest trading was going on. Yeah. So what Jesus came, broke down the middle world partition, drive out all those who are selling because we have no need for animals anymore. So the business ended. Why? He being the Lamb of God, you don't need any other Lamb. He is now the Lamb. Praise the Living God. Okay. So, Gentiles were now incorporated into the kingdom of God by implication every one of us. Jews are Gentiles, we now have access to the most holy place. Amen? That's what it means, preach to the Gentiles. Then the next thing is a believe on the wall. And that's the point. Here we find that the message was received by all mankind as the promised Messiah. So no matter what your tribe is, no matter what nation you belong to, we've come to the conclusion that Jesus truly is the Messiah. Even though the Jews, some of the Jews will not still believe. We do know that a lot of Jews the priests, they also believe at the end of the day. But all over the world whether it be Chinese, US, Mongolian, whatever it is. Think about it. That's a mystery of the godliness that we're talking about. Jesus is accepted as Savior all over the world. No matter the tribe, no matter the nation, whatever it is. it's accepted as as the Savior of the world, my parents were at the worship, and they will always tell you, I don't worship us, they will always tell you, my mom in particular, will only tell you, Jesus is the Son of God. Amen. Jesus is the Son of God. Sometimes I used to wonder, how did they get to know about that? That's a mystery. Amen. Praise the living God. They were going to church, but they know that Jesus is the Son of God. They believe it. We know that the Son of God. A very good man. What is son of Mary? Very good man. My mom will be preaching to me. Even then when I have not known the Lord. Hallelujah. How has he got to know all of that? I don't know. Praise the living God. But that's a mystery. So all mankind have come to see that Jesus is the son of God. And why? Because he died for all mankind. Hallelujah. Amen all humanity. And so scripture will say, as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So everyone that sinned in Adam is also expected to come to the knowledge of the truth. Praise the living God. And now we'll find our what is up into glory. The next days there is what received up into glory. That even the human nature, which took on the Virgin Mary, finally when he died, he became who he was supposed to be, moved up into the place of what? Of glory, praise the living God. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! So, that is a mystery of our worship, that's a mystery of our religion. God, the Almighty Father, became a human being, identified with us as our brethren, so that through that medium, He can take the cup that we're supposed to be drinking. He drank the cup, He paid the price for the offense that we committed, he committed no offense, he was guiltless. How many of you remember the priest came to examine him? How? They were asking him, what about the things they are saying about you? What have you got to say? The Bible says, he will say nothing as a lamb led to the altar, he opened and altar his mouth. That examination, that examination was what the priest normally do. Anytime they want to offer sacrifice, they want to examine whether, I, remember, the animal to be offered uh, must be without blemish. No fault. So when they were questioning Jesus, that was a priest examining this lamp of God if there was a blemish or not. Did you get that? Are you with me? Yeah. Matthew 27, they went to examine him. They are saying all this thing about you. What have you got to say? We not open his mouth. Silence. But they wanted to find out Later when they left, they said, we find no fault in him. How many of you remember that? That means this lamb have no blemish, have no spot, is qualified to redeem mankind. And that's why I said in the beginning, like I was trying to explain a few days ago, I will explain to you one of the major reasons why I have to go through baptism. One of the major and primary reasons is for the Lamb of God, John 1.29, to be offered... The priest must wash the lamb. So two things have to be done to the the lamb. They have to wash the lamb by the priest. And they have to examine the lamb, whether there are spot or wrinkle. So John the Baptist, being from the priesthood family, have to wash the lamb. Then the high priest and all of his company came to examine the lamb, whether it was with spot or wrinkle. And they said, we can find no fault in him. Therefore, he was qualified to redeem us. Therefore, was the a lamb without spot or wrinkle. No blemish, nothing in his life. He was clean. Sin was not found in his life. Therefore, he didn't die as a sinner. He died the death of a sinner. He took the consequences of our sin upon himself. He redeemed us as his own brothers. And now we are free. So we can declare by reason of the sound of jubilee, Nobody can put you in bondage anymore. Nobody can put you in slavery anymore. No devil is qualified to hold you back. The price for your freedom was paid completely. So now you are free. And in the Son of Man we set you free. You are free indeed. Praise God somebody. God bless you and I'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org. God bless you.